Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, episode 76, my special guest is Jeremiah Johnson. Jeremiah is an opera singer turned financial educator whose mission is to help musicians with their finances. He has simple strategies for all self-employed creatives. Today, we are talking about healthy money mindset and options for saving for retirement right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, we have had some conversations over the phone, and we were just talking before the podcast started. Um, we are diving into that uncomfortable conversation about money. And I'm really happy that you're here because uh, I know that you're going to speak to a lot of my listeners. Before we dive into that, can you just uh, kind of introduce yourself to to my listeners and let them know your really unique journey. So you studied voice, but then you were also a money mastermind. So I, I always joke that I went to college and I went to grad school and I was lucky enough to attend both Indiana University and Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, which are two of the most kind of prestigious voice programs in the United States. Nice. Um, I was lucky enough to get the vocal education I wanted and the accompanying six figures of student loan debt that came with it that I didn't know what to do with. Ouch. Um, (laughs) So I left school and started a career, as most people do in the kind of opera world as a young artist, working essentially as like a very lowly paid intern doing bit parts and covering thing, covering major roles and stuff like that. And when I got out into the world, uh, I was the first time I realized that I had all of this debt that I had no idea of how to handle. Mm. And young artists are not particularly well known for their extravagant paychecks. So <laughs> I really spent a long time struggling with how to deal with being a musician and dealing with this kind of overhang of student debt Mm -hmm. and also just having never done a lot of the adult things that normal people have to deal with, like balance my checkbook and do my own taxes and things like that. Um, and so I spent several years getting it wrong, like really wrong. Uh, (laughs) and I, uh, finally slowly started to self-educate Um, started to get my own life in order, started to learn how to put together kind of automated processes to deal with a lot of these things so that that I didn't have to expend the mental energy on them and just get my house in order. Mm. Um, Along the way, I realized that I was absolutely not alone in that confusion and that lack of education and lack of understanding. And so I started helping other musicians kind of get their ducks in a row as well. And it snowballed from there. And now I, I do kind of two separate things. I work with young singers in the kind of collegiate 
level of life, mm-hmm. uh, usually through the college or young artist program that they are a part of. Mm-hmm. And I teach um, what we jokingly call money master classes um, <laughs> that, that are, it's basically like a, like a voice master class, but it's for your wallet. And I teach them the basics of budgeting and how to handle all of these kind of life problems that a lot of them never learned how to deal with. And then I also work with um, kind of privately with individual uh, people, be they uh, performers, voice teachers, anybody that is a quote unquote like adult (laughs) and is is looking to deal with their specific life problems, like Mm. dealing with their own issues and their specific needs and wants. And that's kind of what I that's kind of what I do now. I wish that I had had someone like you when I was going to school because while I might not have accumulated the debt that some people have and I was very fortunate for that uh I I had no clue and and none of none of this was ever discussed it was always about music performing how how incredible. I'm so happy that you get to work with these students and give them that advantage before they get out into the real world. That's so wonderful. Can I just say that I think all universities and colleges should offer that? You know what's funny is that I have made it kind of my like life mission to try to get more and more universities to offer mm-hmm. some kind of thing like this. And even if it's not a full-blown like semester-long course, even if it's just offering like a reoccurring kind of yearly masterclass like I offer for people, right. you would think that teachers who want to help their students succeed, not only like on stage, but in life, would right. be up for that idea. But so many, I mean, so many, te- so many people out there don't see the need for this for, mm. for themselves. Right. A lot of these teachers are lucky enough to be working in academia, which means they have some kind of retirement program Mm. set up for them through the school. But the reality is that academia is a tiny, tiny percentage of the jobs available for musicians. And it's not representative of what's available for most people. And the truth is that when you're 18, 20, 22, you don't care about retiring. Like it's not on your mental horizon at all. And Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not like unexplainable. You're just so far out from that concept, you have no idea. But the most the most important part of planning for retirement is time. How long do you have? And the the most powerful tool in your retirement is the longer is the the length of time you have from where you are now to when you want to retire. Right. And so if you start when you're 20, you have a, an enormous leg up mm-hmm. on somebody who starts when they're 40. Right. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things that nobody thinks about, but is massively important to your like well-being down the line. So important. I'm so glad you're here. And I love, I love your mission statement. You're out there helping and giving, giving young performers, artists, creatives this opportunity to make some better choices right out of the gate. Kudos to you, Jeremiah. 
Now, before we dive in, we were kind of kind of focus on retirement, but can we just can we just talk about why money makes us feel so uncomfortable? What is it about? I mean, it's it's just like nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to look at it. Why? Why does it just make us feel so awful? It is partially our puritanical upbringings. Mm. Um, the discussion of money comes across for most people as only being one of two things, either complaining because you don't have enough or gloating because you have too much or you have enough and you were okay. Mm. And so it's either seen as complaining about something or it's seen as showing off to your, to the people around you. Mm. Um, And the other side of it is that money is the last taboo left in modern society. Oh, well put. the uncomfortable truth is that around the the office watering hole, <laughs> you are more likely to hear people talking about who they hooked up with last night <laughs> yes. than, than whether or not they are funding their retirement. And especially in the performing world, in the mm. artistic world, uh, very often your paycheck is tied to kind of, quote, your worth for the organization you're working for, right? Yes. So like leading leading performers, uh, you know, concert master, first chair violin, the uh, leading lady on the opera stage um, makes more money because they're, quote, worth more. So mm. if you talk about how you made less than them, you are inherently linking your own self-worth to be less worthy than them, which is, of course, complete BS. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, but it, it and it's also super taboo in the in the business. I mean, it's very standard in most performing contracts for there to be a clause that forbids you from talking about what you're being paid with other members of the cast. Hmm. And that's really shady and I hate it, but it is it's an uncomfortable reality of our business. Now, how would you how would you encourage somebody out there who is identifying with everything that you've just said, how would you encourage them to incorporate some healthier practices with their money? I think that the, the wonderful thing about the internet is that there is a plethora of information out there for you to start. Mm. There are a thousand different websites that can help you with a budget, which is where everyone should start. Mm-hmm. The basis of any of any growth in your life on the financial side of things must always start with keeping a budget. And there are a thousand different ways to keep a budget. None of them is right. None of them is wrong. Um, I always say that a budget is like a workout program. It's like a workout plan. Nice. I can write you a workout plan. And if you never use it because it's not something you're comfortable with, I have done you no good. Ah, so it's the same thing with a budget. If I tell you this is what you should do and I give you this enormous involved Excel spreadsheet and I tell you (laughs) that you need to be calculating your profit and loss and like what's the return on investment for this thing or that and your eyes glaze over and you just curl up in a ball in the corner and don't do anything (laughs) with it. Right. Then I've accomplished nothing like you've gotten nothing done. Mm -hmm. So there is no right budget. There's just the budget you'll stick to. Nice. And whatever that budget is for you, just find it, start there. And then once you get comfortable with that, see if you can 
ratchet up the kind of care that you take with that budget by like a couple of points every month until you make kind of make it up to the next level and you're able to keep a little bit more like granular control about what's going on in your budget and then maybe a little bit more. Mm. But if I if you just jump into the deep end and you get overwhelmed, you're not going to get anything accomplished. Ah, great advice. That I think that was one of the stumbling blocks for me in the beginning is is uh I tried to do it by myself. I knew that I needed to get my stuff together, but I tried to do it by myself and and I didn't really get things happening until I uh, it was actually a student of mine who started taking lessons with me who was a financial advisor and she was so lovely she's like well why don't we go out for a coffee and of course I was terrified I was like well I don't I don't know what to say to you and I feel so stupid and and it was probably one of the scariest decisions I ever made but it was the best decision I made because she was able to guide me and give me these steps that made more sense and she was able to walk me through it so I really yeah. appreciate you sharing all of that. Yeah, well I mean, I will say this. It is I just got done saying how the internet is a blessing because it'll it gives you all of this information. Mm-hmm. The internet is also a curse because it gives you all of this information. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and so it's really easy to fall down the rabbit hole. And then you wind up in the concept of like analysis paralysis, right? Where you have so many options. Mm. You don't know which one to do because you're not sure which one is the right way. Yes. There, there's not a right way. There is just doing. Mm. And so you do it and it fails because it doesn't work for you. And you go, okay, fine. What did work out of that? What didn't? Okay, so I can use that and refine my choice for the next step, try it again, and you'll you'll probably get it wrong for a couple of months, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, this is not, nobody expects you to jump straight into it and get it right from day one. Like, you're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but it's all about the slow accumulation of knowledge until you get to a point where you feel comfortable and you're able to handle these things. Uh, yes, yes. The other piece of information that was given to me that I found very helpful was... Um, and I can't remember who this was, so I can't attribute properly, but it was the not to personalize the information. So when you look at your numbers, to not personalize it. Oh, this is good. Like, this is bad. And I'm a horrible person. It, like, yeah. the, the numbers are the numbers, and they just give you information that you can make better choices from and more informed choices from. And that was a big one for me. Because like you said, it reflected like, oh, I'm not making very much money. I must be a horrible person. Well, you know, I mean, I think the easiest exercise for people when they feel themselves being stuck about how to handle money mm-hmm. is to st- is to remove yourself from the equation and say, okay, this isn't Jeremiah's business. Like, I'm sitting down with my friend Steve, and Steve has asked me for help with his books. So how do I help Steve? Take yourself out of it and put it... I mean, it's the same thing people talk about all the time when they talk about giving advice to friends. Mm. Like... It's super easy to fix your friends' problems, right? right. Yep. Sit around, we can sit around over a cocktail and solve world peace, but <laughs> I go home and look at my own budget for the first time, and I'm in like a flop sweat, and I'm panicking. Like it, All that's happened is, just like you said, you've, you have personalized the problem. It's right. become about you mm-hmm. or me and not about this is the problem in front of us. How do we fix the problem? 
So if you remove yourself from the equation and try to put yourself in the shoes of someone helping someone else, all of a sudden making these choices just becomes a, like a binary choice. Yes, no, do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And all of the baggage that you've built up emotionally with it starts to fall by the wayside. Nice. That is great advice. Not all, but most of us in the trenches, whether performers or teachers, we are self-employed individuals. So if we are starting to think, hopefully sooner rather than later, about retirement, what, where do we get started? Help us, Jeremiah. If you are a teacher or a performer and you are not lucky enough to be working at some kind of larger institution that provides a, a retirement plan, um, then you're, you're absolutely going to have to deal with this on your own. Mm. Um, and you really do need to get started sooner rather than later. But it doesn't mean you can't still do it if you got started later. It just means you're going to have to be more aggressive with it. Just to be clear, everything I'm going to be talking about now mm-hmm. is all... U.S. based. Yes. Concepts. Okay. Very so good. if you're talking any of the, any of the listeners that are in Canada or elsewhere around the world, there are options in your country that closely mirror a lot of these things. They'll have different terminology and different. Yeah, the terminology is going to be a little different, yeah. and some of the specific numbers that we're going to talk about will be different. So don't take what I'm saying to be. Kind of. Yeah, don't take what you're saying to the Bank of Canada. <laughs> yeah, please. If you live in Canada and you go and try to talk to these people, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Um, so <laughs> having said that, there's essentially a couple of different options. All of the options we're going to talk about serve the same function. They put money away in some kind of tax-advantaged account that will allow you to provide for yourself when you retire. The biggest difference is going to be whether or not the money is taxed when you put it in the account or when you take it out of the account. And there's not a right or a wrong answer. In fact, most financial advisors will have you do a little bit of both if you're able. But you just need to be aware that there are, some of these have different tax implications than others. Mm-hmm. So the big retirement plan that everybody kind of knows of in the United States is the 401k. Mm-hmm. Normally, that is a retirement account that is pre-tax, so the money gets taken out of your account before taxes are paid on it and gets put into a retirement account. It gets taken out of your paycheck, I apologize. It's taken out of your paycheck before taxes are taken and gets put into a retirement account that you can then use once you retire to pay for life. That option is available for people who are self-employed. It's called a solo 401k. Mm. Um, You can put... I think the rules just changed here in 2019. So as of now, I think it's up to $56,000 a year into a solo 401k. So that is a, for most people, that's plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you are able to put more than $50,000 or so a year into your retirement account, you are doing quite well. Right. Um, so good <laughs> Good for you. You don't need my help. Um, <laughs> the The thing you have to be aware of is that because this money went in before taxes were taken on it, that means when you retire 
and you start taking that money out, you're going to pay taxes on that money as income, Mm -hmm. which is not a problem. It's just something you have to plan for. And that's where your, like your CPA who does your taxes or your financial advisor, if you happen to have one, can help you to make sure that you're not kind of getting into a tax bracket that you're going to start paying a ton of interest. You're going to start paying a a really high tax percentage on. Mm -hmm. Um, There is another one that's called a SEP IRA, which means Simplified Employee Pension, okay. which is arguably easier to set up okay. than a, a solo 401k. Um, you can still put, you can put 25% of your income or $56,000, mm-hmm. whichever is less. The only thing there is if you own your own business and you set up a SEP IRA, if you are employing others, mm. you're going to be required to offer that ability for your staff as well. Ah, okay. That's good to know. That is not a bad thing. If you, I personally believe that if you are in the place where you are able to employ people, then you should be providing them a vehicle for retirement. Nice. Um, I just think that that is a like that's compassionate kind of capitalism. And if you aren't doing that, I really kind of on a personal basis think that you're failing your staff members at a fundamental level. There's also something called a simple IRA. Mm -hmm. That is if now we're starting to talk about real small businesses, right up to like 100 employees. Okay. Um. Which for most of us is if you if you're like a multi studio teacher and you happen to have, you know, ten or fifteen teachers working underneath you, this is probably going to be where you're going to wind up. Okay. But um, it's going to be if you start to get to that point, you're really going to want to start talking about like a full time financial staff member doing all of this work for you because you're really going to start talking about like now you have to start offering matching benefits. Right. In, in the IRA for your staff right. and contributions, the contribution levels change. And so it can get very complicated. So when we get when we have leveled up to that point, I think we're going to have more members in our team that are going to help us to make the right decisions. Yeah. If you get to the point where you're starting to offer retirement plans to your staff, you really need to start building in the concept of paying, paying if not a full-time, then at least a part-time kind of... Uh, HR person mm-hmm. to, to handle all of this complexity. Because right. if you're getting to that point and they're full-time staff anyways, mm-hmm. you're going to need to start thinking about other stuff like health insurance and all of that other thing. So nice. when you get that big, you're you're going to need somebody else to handle this. this you're going to get beyond what you as a person individually can start to handle. Yeah. Great advice. Now, I'm going to play the devil's advocate because I know so many teachers right now who are listening to this going, I don't make enough money to set aside anything for anything. That is the cry that we hear so often. What advice would you give people? Because it really doesn't need to be a huge donation. No, it doesn't. Actually, here, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because it's gonna, I'm going to use this to, to illustrate how a little can kind of go a long way. Okay. Right? So we were talking about the whole concept of getting started young mm-hmm. earlier. So let's say 
you're 20 and you're planning on retiring at 65, okay. right? Um, I don't expect a 20-year-old person in college or, or soon to be out of to have a great deal of expo- like disposable income. So let's say you can do 100 bucks a month, mm-hmm. right? So we're literally talking three bucks and change a day. We're talking about like a trip to Starbucks. Right. Um, so if you tell me that you can't afford to retire, but you can afford to buy coffee every day, um, I mean, you're just lying to yourself. Um, so nice. Uh, let's say a hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. for 45 years in a standard kind of return market. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of 45 years at only a hundred dollars a month, ballpark what do you think that person will have in their account in their retirement account but i are we figuring in the compounding interest thing too this is figuring compounding interest and everything i it's it's a lot (laughs) give it a give it a wild shot in the dark okay so uh, they're gonna have at least uh, a couple million dollars aren't they not not bad. They're going to have 100 bucks a month. They're going right. to have $862,000. Okay, so I almost a million dollars. Yeah, almost a million dollars. And that's if over the span of 45 years you never contributed more than $100 a month. Wow. Which is $1200 a year. Mhm. That is not a lot of money. That's right. nowhere near even like the threshold for the smallest retirement options out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is actually, well, let me finish this and then we'll, we'll go on to the last option available. Um, so let's say, fine, I didn't start at 20. I started at 30. Right. 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 Okay. I screwed, I goofed off for a few years and I finally realized I have to be an adult. <laughs> um, that same hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. but you've done it for 35 years instead of 45 years is going to bring you $325,000. So that's by a lo- huge difference. By losing 10 years of investment opportunity, you have lost a half a million dollars. So what Jeremiah is trying to tell everybody is start right now. No more waiting. Yes. Start now and like there is no excuse. It's $100. If there is $100 for a voice teacher is what? A couple of extra lessons a month. Yes. So, and it gets it gets even worse. Mm. Air quotes. Uh, if you start when you're forty, mm. and you put that hundred dollars a month in, you're only going to have one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. Ouch. And in order to catch up mm. to the person who started when they were twenty, you're going to have to put in seven hundred and thirty dollars a month. Right. So that you both kind of hit 65 with the same amount. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to start early. Now, having said that, the easiest option, Mm -hmm. the option that literally anyone, if they have the technological ability to listen to this podcast, they have the ability to set up this account, Mm -hmm. um, is a Roth IRA. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey, everyone. Katrina here to talk about logos for this week's My Music Staff Minute. Your logo is the face of your company. It is the first thing someone sees when looking at your studio and one of the most important investments you can make. A good logo tells your customer that you are professional, 
and can foster a feeling of being an inviting, trustworthy business offering quality services. So what makes a good logo? Well, your logo should be easily recognizable and embody the feel of your studio. Make sure you pick a typeface that while unique to you is also very easy to read. A great logo looks good in different sizes and mediums too. It should be simple enough that it looks good on your website and still presentable on your studio's signage or a business card. Your logo could also be used in print media, so consider what it will look like in black and white. Have you thought about your logo recently? If you don't have one yet, consider reaching out to a local graphic designer to see what they can offer you. You can also use services such as Fiverr to connect with a professional online. For those that want to try making one yourself, you can test the creative waters by using services such as the Wix Logo Maker, freelogodesign.org, logojoy.com, or the dozens of other offerings out there. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at www.mymusicstaff.com. When you get up and running, you can upload your great-looking custom logo into My Music Staff to use on your invoices, and you can also add it to your My Music Staff built website. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. Is a Roth IRA. Two parts to this that I think are important, and this is why this type of retirement account is the one that I tell people to start first. Okay. Um, The first part is it's so easy. You can literally go on any one of a number of, you you just Google like Roth IRA and you will get 15,000 different options that will show up. They are all very competitive. They're all pretty cheap and they're all really easy to set up. You can set them up in about 20 to 30 minutes max. Okay. Um, The reason I like Roths is twofold. One, it's easy to set up and two, it is the only one of the retirement accounts that we have talked about so far that is not taxed at the end when you retire. Hmm. So you can put up to, I want to say it's $5,500. It might have gone up to six this year. Don't quote me on that. Um, you can put up to 5500 let's call it that, a year into a Roth IRA. Because that money is going into the account after taxes, because you can't set it up to like automatically withdraw from your check. Okay. Um, you have you can set it up to automatically withdraw from your bank account mm-hmm. after you've gotten paid. Okay. But you can't set it up to withdraw from your check before taxes. So it's already been taxed. Gotcha. So because it's been taxed, it grows, and then at the end, there is no tax when you withdraw that money. Which means if you put enough money into a Roth over a long enough period of time, you could potentially use that Roth as your entire living expenses in retirement Mm. and you would pay no income tax on it. Nice. So you don't have to worry about any taxes at the end. Now, the reason I mentioned earlier that financial advisors will often use a mix of these different styles of uh, retirement accounts mm-hmm. is that they'll use uh, like a 401k or a regular IRA, like a simple or a SEP to get you to stuff a, a larger chunk of money into. And they'll basically get you to a point where you're just kind of edging into like the next big leap in the tax brackets. Ah, I see. Okay. 
And then you use the Roth to fill in the rest so that even though it looks on paper like you're kind of just under the next big, like, let's call it moving up to 25% tax rate or whatever, Mm -hmm. it looks on paper like your income stays just under that because the Roth is tax free. Mm -hmm. It allows you to live beyond that means and not have to worry about the increase in tax. That is always good advice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, nobody wants to pay taxes. So let's try to make it that you don't have to. That is such a great, I'm trying to think in Canada, we have some, we have some different financial products. We have um, tax-free savings accounts. Yeah. um, Which I think are, uh, well, I know my financial advisor highly encourages that. And he does, our financial advisor does the same thing. We have a variety of different types of tax savings account or, or retirement savings accounts. And they do some of them the their tax, you know, before and some of them mm-hmm. not. And I, and I appreciate you telling me that because now I see why they recommend. Yeah. That. The, they're, <laughs> they're trying to balance. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd love everybody to be able, like at least everybody in America to be able to use a Roth IRA to mm-hmm. fully fund their retirement. But mm-hmm. the reality is, if it's only $5,000 a year that you right. can put, or 55, whatever, that you can put into that, then without doing some kind of more complicated shenanigans, uh, the reality is that you're not really going to be able to fully fund your whole retirement out of just your Roth account. Like You're not going to be able to physically put enough money into the account over the years to be able to fully fund your existence once you retire. Mm. Okay. Um, so you kind of have to use the other options and because those are where you can just physically stuff more money in the account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people start with a Roth IRA when you get to the point that you are, that's fully funded mm-hmm. and you're, you're putting in the max every year, mm-hmm. then especially if you're self-employed and you have the option to kind of choose how to handle all of this. I always say start with the Roth once that's fully funded, then move into one of the other IRA options. And you don't need to put you don't need to put a lot extra in, but just slowly kind of let it tick up. Mm-hmm. Like let you what you're adding. There's a really great uh author and blogger and podcaster uh named Farnoosh Turavi. Oh, okay. Uh who has a a podcast um and one of the things she talks about in her, on her blog and in her uh, podcast is set yourself a challenge for a year, right? Mm-hmm. Every month for one year, increase what you are putting into your savings account, into your retirement account by 1%. Nice. And that doesn't sound like a lot, right? I mean, if we're talking about the average, we're talking about, let's say you make 50 grand a year, mm-hmm. then, you know, we're talking about 500 bucks. Right. Um, so 1% on January 1st and add another percent on February, yada, 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 all the way up until we get to the end of the year. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but at the end of the year, that 12% has now become $6,000. So congratulations, you've now figured out how to max out your Roth IRA in one year. And the next year, just start it all over again. 
go, okay, one more extra percent. Like now I'm already funding my Roth and it's okay. I'm living. I'm not like on the streets. I'm not destitute. The account's fully funded. I'm still putting food on the table. So now open myself, you know, a simple IRA and start again. 1% of my income, 2%, three. And then, you know, at the end of at the end of two years, there you are. You're, you know, $12,000 a year you're putting into your retirement accounts. Yeah. People, people get fixated on the back end, like the arrival points yes. and how much they need there. Mm-hmm. But if you just break it down and work it backwards from the end all the way to the beginning, you'll see that it's actually not that difficult. I mean, I had an old voice teacher who I was complaining one time about like learning a new role. And he said, you just do this like you're a mouse trying to eat an elephant. <laughs> you don't look at the elephant. You look at the one bite in front of you. And yeah. you take that bite. And then you take the next. And then you take the next. And you just keep going. I love that analogy. <laughs> oh, right? It's ridiculous. And I love it. But, you know, you don't look at the overarching, like, big picture. Because, of course, you're going to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like, if... You know, if you're in your 30s and you're thinking and you start the mental conversation with, oh, my God, I have no money for retirement and I'm halfway there and (laughs) I need a bajillion dollars and I just don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, then like you're dead, like you're dead in the water. Mm -hmm. You you might as well just grab your blanket and curl up in the corner (laughs) because we're you're accomplishing nothing at this point. And I think that's where that's where financial professionals are so valuable mm-hmm. to you, like to us. I mean, like, look. At the end of the day, we're all musicians. Like, nobody wants to deal with money. We just want to go make art. Like, we want to teach kids. We want to perform. Like, I don't want to sit down every year and do my taxes. Right. Anybody who says that to you is lying. <laughs> but it's an uncomfortable reality of mm-hmm. our life that we have to. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to sit there and tell me that you can practice, if you're a violinist and you're going to sit there and tell me that you can spend six hours a day for, you know, eight years of your life practicing, but you can't take 15 minutes to set up a retirement account. You're just lying. Yeah. It's not that a- you can't do it. It's yeah. that you don't want to do it. Exactly. There's there's a financial truth bomb right there for everyone. I, we, and nobody wants to. I get that. It's not mm-hmm. fun. It's not sexy. It's not cool. Like, but you know what? Neither was learning scales. Right. Like, neither was me sitting down to learn how to play the piano so that I could teach myself music. Like, yep. I didn't enjoy any of that, but it's a requirement of the job. Yes. So if you can do all of these horribly annoying <laughs> things that come along with being a musician, you can do this other kind of not so horribly annoying and not very difficult. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Well, and also if we look at it, you know, people come to us as a music as- expert, as a singing teacher, as a singing expert, and they're seeking our knowledge. Why wouldn't we seek out those financial experts to do the same thing? Like, we can't possibly exactly. have all the answers and yeah when you were a young student and you first decided i want to learn how to sing you didn't just say like i'm gonna stand in my living room and yell at the wall and i'll figure it out on my own (laughs) which is what we do when we do our taxes we (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like me saying, I want to learn how to play the harp and just gr- like buying one at the store and without looking at any books or anything, just going, I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> like, how do you think that's going to go? Of course mm. not. Uh. It's the, and it's the same thing with money. You know, like there are people out there, there are people out there that exist that can help you with these things. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason they exist. It's because you don't want or need to take the time and effort to learn something that they already know and they can save you all of the heartache. Beautiful truth there. Now, in our conversation earlier, you mentioned that there are some new U.S. tax laws that are going to make people very unhappy. Do you want to do you want to drop that on the listeners today? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, without getting entirely, without getting too political. Um, okay. Because it's just not the point. Understood. Um, there was a tax law that was passed in 2017 mm-hmm. that affected all that affected all of the all of everyone's taxes starting from January 2018, which means now that we're here in 2019, we're going to start looking at all of our income from last year under these new tax laws. I will give the good news first. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) The good news is that the things that most self-employed musicians have to deal with a lot is the deductions that come from being self-employed. Now, luckily, in the United States, those deductions were not touched. Okay. So the deductions that we as American self-employed people have been using as kind of our bread and butter to help with our tax bills, those all still exist. Okay. Um, And in addition to that, the standard deduction in the United States has doubled. So it used to be $12,000 and now it's, uh, excuse me, if you're married, it was $12,000 and now it's $24,000 if you're married and it was six if you were single and now it's 12 if you're single. Okay. Which means if you, if last year kind of looked like every year before that, you might not actually have to go through the process of doing uh, itemized deductions for everything. Okay. Your standard deduction might actually cover everything, and it might save you some time and some effort. So that's cool. Um, the problem for a lot of Americans that's coming up is that along with the tax code changes was a change in the amount of money that is automatically taken out of your check every week if you work a standard W-2 job. If you work a standard, like if you happen to be a teacher at an institution mm-hmm. or you work for, or you get paid, you know, if you teach lessons or choir through like a high school or a private school or something and you get issued a W-2, the amount of money that comes out of that automatically to kind of prepare for your tax bill, that that deduction equation was changed. Oh. Um, and yeah, and probably 99.5% of America didn't know about it. Wow. Um, and so what a lot of people are going to find this year, if you if a lot of your income comes through W-2 work, is that their deduction amount changed a little bit. And at the end of the year, they're going to owe a good bit of money to the IRS that they may not have planned for. Oh, my. 
Um, a lot of like middle class Americans, it's been all kind of popping up in the news lately, but a lot of middle class Americans who have started doing their taxes mm-hmm. have noticed that like, you know, I didn't really make anything different this year than I did last year. But all but. of a sudden I have a $3,000 tax bill or a $4,000 tax bill because this was kind of slipped in as part of the as part of the Republican tax change that nobody kind of picked up on and, and like nobody including a lot of like professional financial people. Wow. I mean, most of us were fixated on the kind of corporate tax breaks and things like that that were kind of inflaming the like public news media. Mm-hmm. And this kind of slipped in under the radar and not a whole lot of people noticed it and um yeah, it's going to there will be a goodly chunk of the American population, especially people who who make like a W2 paycheck that are going potentially going to see that they owe the United States government and they just didn't know about it. So, good luck. Oh man. Um, <laughs> go with go I'm with God. S- I'm sending hugs to all my American friends right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now the good thing is for most of us is like most of us musicians who are self-employed, that probably won't be a problem because okay. we're self-employed. Our labor is not taxed by the U.S. government at the front end. We have to pay taxes on it ourselves at the back end. Okay. Um, and so we probably will be okay. Okay. But if you have somebody who is, like I said, you know, if you're, if you have, you know, a voice teacher who has half a private studio and then half of her studio comes through, comes from like the local middle school and high school, so she gets paid a right. W-2 because that's how school board handles payment, mm-hmm. then they might they might see a thing. Wow. Yeah. And so I say all of that to say that be aware. Yeah. And all you need to do is talk to your CPA this year when you're doing your taxes mm-hmm. um, and tell them, hey, how do we adjust my, my uh, deductions on my paycheck at my W-2 job so that this doesn't happen again next year. Nice. And they can walk you through how to kind of inch up those tax deductions a little bit Mm -hmm. um, or this this withdraws up a little so that you, so it just doesn't happen again, so that you don't get caught flat-footed. I'd also say hand-in-hand with that, don't wait until the last minute to do your taxes. Do them now. Mm. Do them now, do them now. Because you need to rip the Band-Aid off. And if it's going to suck, you need to know <laughs> that it's going to suck now so that you can spend March and April, or the first half of April, like trying to save up a little bit of money to pay for what might potentially be a slightly larger tax bill. But that... if you wait until like April 10th to do your taxes, you're going to have like three or four days to scramble, and that's going to be a bad thing. Right. I probably shouldn't tell you that my husband and I do the accountant's office walk of shame. Now we're both self-employed, so we don't have to file until June 15th, but, mm-hmm. but we should really get in there like now, but we like on June 13th, we slink through our accountant's door and like, Hey, Nadim, how's it going? Uh, I will say, <laughs> I will say if you're, if you're that kind of person and you kind of like skirt in under the wire at the last minute, mm-hmm. if you're in America and you do get there and God forbid 
you like something's gone sideways and you do actually owe like four grand or five grand that you didn't expect to have to owe, mm-hmm. the IRS does have the option to file an extension, which gives you like an extra, I want to say like five or six months to file oh. your taxes. So if you really do find yourself up against the wire and you just can't do it, mm-hmm. you have the option to file an extension and you can use that extra time to kind of sock away a little bit of money so that you can actually be able to pay that bill. Wow. Um, I think probably this year with all the changes, they're going to have a lot of those extensions being filed. There probably will be. There's also just a lot of really angry people out there right now about it. So yeah. <laughs> just be aware, everyone. See, in Canada, they just send us stern letters kind of semi-guilting us because, oh, you you haven't paid all of your taxes. Did you know that most Canadians pay their taxes and just insinuating that we might not be a good Canadian and then oh, <laughs> that's about nice. it. That's, I, don't, I don't know how it works very, in the U.S. like, passive-aggressive grandmother. Right? <laughs> so, I love it. Uh, well, Jeremiah, this, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I am, if you are willing... I am now declaring you the Full Voice Podcast financial expert, and I need to have you come back. Sure, of course. Uh, there's so many, so many other financial things I would love to talk to you about, um, and I yeah. think that uh, we need people like you in our corner to help us and to inspire us and to give us the courage to really face our money. Thank you so much. So I'm going to put a link. You have a website, um, themoneymusician.com. And people can reach out and talk to you and and inquire about your services or get information. They can reach me there. Um, They can reach me just through the website. And they also... uh, I have. I also have uh, the money musician at gmail.com if they want to just reach out straight for an email. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and yeah, I'm. I am around and and willing to help. I love it. Well, thank you for all your your stewardship of of everything financial and taking good care of this these creative people who uh, who need your support so thank you so much um i'm going to put all the links on our podcast page and uh and we will definitely most definitely have you back for some more financial q a sure no problem A very special thank you to Jeremiah for that great information today. If you would like to get in touch with him, you can find his website, themoneymusician.com, or you can send him an email at themoneymusician at gmail.com. Now, before I go, I'd like to thank the fine people at my music staff for their wonderful business tips and a big thank you to my listeners around the world for leaving ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for listening. Now, don't forget to tag at the full voice on Instagram and share the fun you're having with your students in your teaching studios. I love to see all the great teachers hard at work and doing all the fun and exciting things in their teaching studio. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com.
my canoe music. Canoe music.ca